0: I'm uh, reading from Mark chapter 7 this morning and starting at verse 24. The Gospel of Mark in chapter 7, verse 24. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. May the Lord open his word to our hearts. So we, as people, cross lines all the time, right? We, uh, we step over lines, we make decisions, and we go one place and not another. We've been talking about how we balance things in our lives, but we always make these decisions about where we're going to go, what we're going to do, and we cross lines sometimes. Sometimes they're lines we should cross. Sometimes they're lines we really have no business crossing. But we find ourselves in that place. And so we might miss the significance of this passage if we didn't understand a little bit about the scene that is described for us there by Mark in his gospel. So the opening line of our story is, then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. Now, how many people have heard of Galilee? Right? A lot of people have heard of Galilee. Galilee especially if you've been in church very long or if you live around here and you've seen the sign to that camp, right? But uh, they did not have it first. They didn't make up the name. It's a Bible name. But what about Tyre, a place called Tyre? You ever heard of that? T Y R E. couple of people, right? Less people know about Tyre than Galilee. And so... Even though we're used to reading scripture and often we come across the names of places and people that sound strange to us, we've never heard anyone with that name before or we've never heard of a town called that except in Bible stories. And so sometimes even when I ask somebody to read the scripture in church, they're like, well, what's the passage, right? Some people go, they want to know, is there any of those place names or people names that I'm going to stumble over? And they really uh, kind of do one of these if it's, if it's got none of that, right? So uh, we may not have heard of Tyre, but, uh, and lots of things may sound strange to us, but the name of this place is significant in this story because it stands out, and, and there's something about this. Lots of places, it's just a place in, in ancient Palestine, and it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. But Tyre, this place, is kind of different. And so there's this border that Jesus is crossing. He's crossing a line out of the the nation of Israel and into the surrounding area. He's going from Galilee that's that's part of the land that belongs to the people of God, and he's crossing the border, and he's going into Syria, Phoenicia, and particularly to this town of Tyre, and and those are Gentile places. They're not Jewish. Like, everything that's not Jewish is Gentile. Most of us, if not all of us, Gentiles, right? And so they're outsiders to the people of God. They're outsiders to the nation of Israel. And at this time, we know, we've looked into it, and we've talked about Abraham and how God blessed him and said, all nations will be blessed through you. But it started with them. It started with Israel. It started with the Jews. They weren't more important to God than anybody else. They were just first. And so he said, I'm gonna start here and then it's gonna spread. I'm gonna teach you about me and my kingdom and how things work if you're gonna be my people. And then I expect it to spread beyond the borders of Israel. You're not the only people I'm after, but you're the first people I'm gonna teach. It's like the Petri dish where he grows this culture of of knowing who God is and living to serve him and, and treating each other in a way that we should as the people of God. And so when Jesus goes there, he's stepping over the border of Israel. And remember, he said that his mission first is to Israel. That's what the promise was. And so there's this significant border. And, and I don't know how you feel about borders. Some people are, are, are really nonchalant about them. It's like, oh, we're in a new state, a new province now. No big deal. few few years ago now we uh we took a group of teenagers at at the church we were serving down to a christian music festival in the states it was just over the border we were in perth and and we went over and it was down in pennsylvania but but some of the kids there you know how close perth is and, and how close they are to the border to the states we had one 17 year old kid i think he was 17 or 18 uh teenager who who went with us and uh and he had never been over the border before So he didn't have a passport. So we had to get a letter from his parents giving us permission to take him over the border into another country. I couldn't believe he'd never been over the border. But you learn weird things along the way. Like we lived in Toronto for years. There are people who live in Toronto who've never been to the CN Tower. Like that's a tourist thing, so they just don't go. But for not to have gone over the border uh, into the States, that's strange. When we first moved to Perth, we drove into Ottawa one day to take a look around in Ottawa because we hadn't spent a whole lot of time in Ottawa. We, I don't even know if we'd ever driven through there before. So we're driving into Ottawa, and, and we got kind of sidetracked at one point. We weren't sure where we were supposed to turn. We turned, and before we knew it we, and realized it, we were over the border, and we were in Quebec that may not seem like a big deal to you. Like the border's just right there and you drive over probably all the time to go to Shawville or somewhere. But we had not been over the border to Quebec. Maybe ever, or or well, maybe when we're children, but uh, Roxanne and I were like, we just drove over the border into Quebec without even knowing it. Like we crossed a border and there's no like, you know, stop point. There's no uh, passport handing or anything. It's just the border of provinces, but it's really weird. We didn't even know we did it. And so we turned around and and, and and we were trying to get back over into Ontario. And then we're like, I can't remember if the, fir- if the first time we went back was on purpose. But we circled three times into Quebec just to say, hey, we're in Quebec, we're in Ontario, we're in Quebec, we're in Ontario. And we did it three times because we're like, we can, we can cross the border. And it wasn't a big deal, big deal, because we were just driving there and nobody was stopping us and it was like, The streets all look the same and the houses and the buildings. It wasn't a big thing. But some borders you cross are. Some lines that you cross are. Some things and places we go, it changes things. There are places that we need to go, but we are afraid to go. There are places where we should never be, but we go there anyway. And so Different places have different people, they have different beliefs, they have different cultures, there are different ways of doing things. And so Tyre is in the province of Phoenicia and it's Gentile territory. And so the text doesn't really say why Jesus went there, but he steps outside of the border of Israel. He said he came to serve Israel but uh, first and and to tell them about God and to... and and to make things right with them as the people of God. But he crosses into Gentile territory. And the first thing it tells us is that he left Galilee and he went north to the region of Tyre. And then it says he didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. So, Jesus is left where he is in Galilee, where he's been ministering, where he's been reaching out to people, where he's been teaching them about God, and he goes into this other land outside of Israel in Syria, Phoenicia. And, uh, and and when he's there, he doesn't want people knowing where he is or how to find him. It's almost like when he went away to that solitary, isolated place, right? It sounds like that. Like, I don't want anybody knowing which house I'm standing in. I don't want anybody knocking on the door. I'm not here to maybe do my public ministry. I, I'm trying to th- keep things quiet, trying to fly under the radar, trying to get a little time away Is he just there to relax? What's he doing there? The text doesn't tell us why he's there. They just tell us he's trying to go incognito, right? And so he tries to keep it a secret. He doesn't want anyone to know, but there's a way that people just keep finding out where Jesus is and what he's doing. Like there's always people are always talking and it seems like nowhere Jesus goes isn't somebody following him, somebody looking for him, somebody interested? And so here again, it says he didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. So he's not trying to do publicity. He's not trying to raise a following in Syria, Phoenicia, so that his name can spread and his ministry can grow. That's not what he's doing there. He's trying to be quiet, he's trying to keep things low key, but it doesn't work. And maybe he thought it would be the perfect place to go because Jews didn't normally go to this area. The Gentiles, especially in that region, had very little to do with with the Jews. But it's a little more complicated than just Jesus wanting to get away. There's a history to this border. It's more than the fact that 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 uh, more than the fact that J- Tyre is Gentile. There's this history between Jews and the city of Tyre, and so Tyre is a rich pagan city, and it comes up a bunch of times in the Old Testament. and And here's what it says about it uh, in Amos uh, chapter one, verse nine. The prophet Amos says, "This is what the Lord says." The people of Tyre have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They broke their treaty of brotherhood with Israel, selling whole villages as slaves to Edom. Now, Edom is the land that's, that's descendants of Esau. And he says that, uh, that Tyre has sold Israel out. They were supposed to be a brotherhood, <clears throat> but they sold them out. They actually captured their people and sold them into slavery. And he says, I'm not going to let them get away with that. I'm going to punish them for their sins. That's what the prophet Amos says. Then the prophet Zechariah chapter 9, verse 3 to 4 says, Tyre has built a strong fortress and made silver and gold as plentiful as dust in the streets. But now the Lord will strip away Tyre's possessions and hurl its fortifications into the sea, and it will be burned to the ground. So Tyre's been rich, gold and silver, plentiful as dust in the streets. Like they're a rich city. They've got a lot. Maybe it's from pulling moves, like selling the Israelites as slaves. But whatever it is that they've gathered wealth, they're not good people, but they're rich people. They're powerful people. And this is the kind of city they are. And God keeps sending messages through the prophets Like, I'm not going to let this go unchecked. I'm going to do something about it. But right now, they're rich and they're powerful. And they're doing damage in the world. They're not good people. It's also mentioned by Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Joel. You can find references to Tyre in all of those prophetic books. Prophets speak for God. They speak for God to people who are not doing what they should for God. Sometimes prophets are giving a message to Israel and saying, smarten up and fly straight, like do what you know you should be doing and look after the widows and orphans and care for the people. You're not representing me very well. And sometimes it's messages of judgment on other nations and saying where they're getting off track and where they're not living as people who are made in the image of God, which all human beings are. And so this city of Tyre, it's rich, it's powerful, and it's corrupt. And so they're facing future judgment, but for now, they seem to be getting away with stuff. And so the Jews had cultural and religious differences with all the Gentiles and vice versa. But Tyre was t- particularly touchy because of that background, because they had sold them out because they had not treated them well, because they were rich and powerful, and they threw their power around, and all they cared about, it seemed, was money and power and influence and not doing the right thing. And so Jesus is aware of the cultural differences. He knows what they believe. He knows how they live. He knows what they value. And there are negative feelings between Israel and uh and this province, and particularly in the city of Tyre. And so when he goes there, he's going to the last place that his Jewish followers would look for him or expect him to be, right? So it kind of makes sense if he's trying to keep things quiet, if he's trying to get off the radar, this is the last place they'll look. But it's also a place where there's this background and this history and this negativity and these sour feelings. And so we're people who cross the line all the time. Sometimes we cross the line in good ways, sometimes in bad ways, sometimes in you know mildly bad ways. Sometimes we go a couple of kilometers over the speed limit and we're crossing the line of the law. And if we got pulled over, we'd get a ticket. Sometimes... We make decisions sometimes, you know, you're playing hockey and you do some move and you go, ah, oh, cross-checking or, or, or uh, you know, high-sticking or whatever it is that we do that's not really within the rules. It's not what we should be doing. It's not following what's, how things are supposed to be and we get in trouble for it. And you go, ah, oh, okay. So we cross lines and we make decisions and we do things and there are rules to the way things are done. And sometimes we think those are good rules. Sometimes we think they're bad rules. Sometimes we think they don't apply to us. We say something, we do something. And sometimes some lines are not something that's really that obvious. But as soon as you make that decision, as soon as you move in that direction, as soon as you step over that line, things change. Bam, things are different. And so Jesus steps over this line and, and he crosses a line into a place among a people who are not the kind of people he's used to and not the kind of people who are used to him. And so in that one line at the beginning of our story, you know, Jesus left Galilee and crossed north into the city of Tyre. It sounds like just the name of two places, one we kind of know and one we have never heard of, but it really makes a big difference to understand where he's going and what's happening there when he gets there, the kind of place it is and the kind of people they are. And so while Jesus is there, while he's they're entire trying to lay low, there's somebody who find, people find out where he is. He can't keep it a secret. And this one lady in particular hears about it, and she's got a demon-possessed daughter. She's got a need. She's worried about her child. And so she goes to the door, and she knocks, and she gets entry, and she talks to him. She'd heard about him. She came, and she fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. That's the encounter. And you can feel for her. She loves her child. She doesn't want to see her little girl suffer. She realizes this demon is a bad thing. This is doing something terrible to her. And even though we can feel for her and we can empathize with her, we wonder, what's Jesus going to do in this situation? His original listeners would have went, you're in Higher of all places this lady is one of them she's the kind of people that are rich and entitled and do evil just to gain wealth she's one of them that's what they're like those people and so you've stepped over this line and you're in that place and now he's there and she comes to him and she's got a need she has a child that's suffering. And Jesus is there trying to keep it quiet and trying to fly under the radar, trying to get away from the crowds. Kind of like I said, like that day that he was going out to the isolated place and they come looking for him. So everybody's looking for you. And what does Jesus say in that situation? He goes, no, no. I have to go to other towns. I can't go back there because I'm supposed to be in another place doing another thing with another group of people. I can't be in two places at once. I'm not supposed to be there. I'm supposed to be here. I'm here alone, isolated right now in this isolated place. And then I'm going to other places. I'm not going back there. No, that's not my mission. That's, that's not where I'm supposed to be. And so my answer is no those people had needs too. And this time, he's facing this lady with, these, with, these, with this need of a daughter who's suffering, but he's outside of, he's all the way outside of Israel this time. He wouldn't even go back to a town that he'd already been to in Israel because he needed to move on and stick to the mission. And now he's outside of the borders of Israel, downtime, trying to go incognito. This lady comes and she has a daughter who has a need, who is suffering, what's Jesus going to say? Even though he didn't seek out this opportunity and, and he's trying to fly under the radar, what's he going to do with this need in front of him? Is he going to say no? Well, our passage says since she was a Gentile born in Syria, Phoenicia, right? Since she's from there, since she's one of them, Jesus told her, first I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. He says, my mission is to the people of Israel. I'm supposed to be feeding them. They're supposed to come first, and then later there's a different mission, but right now that's my mission. What he's saying is, if I was to do that, I'll be stepping over a line. Not just the border between Israel and Phoenician, Not just the border between the culture of the Jews and the people of Tyre who had treated them horribly and and sought after money and and done things in an evil way and only valued things that were going to profit them materially. It's not just that line. He says there's this line of the things I came here to do and the people I'm here to minister to and the things that are supposed to happen now, the things that are supposed to happen first. The circle's here, the line is there, and you're on the other side of the line. And so she's not one of his people. She's not part of his stated mission. He's here for the Jews first. So what's he going to do? Remember, Jesus has said no before to people who are even fellow Jews. And now he's faced with this decision. And so he says to her, look, there's a line there. And this side of the line is where where I'm here to operate. And so Jesus makes it clear to her, to do that would be to cross the line. But the way he says it, he says to this rich woman who has means, who is used to things going her way, he says, I I can't do that because the food is for the children. Is it right to feed the dogs when the children have it eaten first? Who's the dog in this story? And if you think you'd be insulted being called a dog, back then it was worse. She's not the kind of person we wouldn't expect being from Tyre that's used to people, especially Jewish people, throwing out insults like that and getting away with it. You think maybe if we were in that position, we would say, fine, fine. You don't want to help me? You want to call me a dog? See you later, Jesus. I, uh, when I was pastoring in, in one town, and I won't, I won't name it in case people could figure it out, but there was another minister on the ministerial that came from a church fairly different from ours in their theology. And, uh, and we were talking about things and how things were going at our church and this pastor says to me, you know, I, I preached on, on Jesus and the Syrophenician woman, like this story, uh, on Sunday. You know, Jesus had a lot to learn from her. See, because when Jesus says to her, "This is the line," and, and this is, you would expect her to be uh, take affront to that. You would expect her to be offended. You would expect her to walk away. But this lady being insulted, being compared to a dog, feeling the wedge between you and, and uh, as a person from Tyre and this nobody Jew, when you're a somebody. But she replies, that's true, Lord. Like you should feed the children first. That's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat scraps from the children's plate. So this other pastor, she took it. Well, Jesus is getting you know, told off and 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 she corrected Jesus and now Jesus sees the error of his ways and Jesus gets on board. She's a mom and she isn't, it seems, having that kind of attitude. And so I don't see it that way at all. I don't see Jesus being corrected. I see Jesus presenting a challenge to her saying, do you understand the line I would be crossing to do that? And when she answers and says, yes, Lord, I get that that line is there. I get that I don't qualify as one of the people of God. I get that I am outside of that, but could I not benefit from being here? You're here, I'm here. My little girl's suffering. Could you do something for me? And so she humbles herself, to ask for help, she humbles herself before Jesus and she says, Jesus, you're Lord, and you get to decide, and, and that may be your mission. And I understand the lines that exist between us. I understand where I live and, and, and the place that I operate and the kind of things that everybody knows about us people from Tyre. But Jesus, Lord Jesus, My little girl has a demon and I need your help. Can I not benefit like a dog eating scraps under the table? I don't care that you called me a dog. I care that my little girl needs you. And I also care that you are the Lord. I'm willing to acknowledge that you are the Lord and you get to decide. And I'm not taking offense. I'm seeking help. so Jesus says to her, he says that she's got the right answer. He says, good answer. He said, now go home for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed. And the demon was gone. Jesus, if you haven't learned anything else about Jesus. You can't talk Jesus into stuff. People who have followed Jesus for years, uh, he is kind, he is patient, he is forgiving, but we don't tell Jesus what to do. Can I get an amen to that one? You can't push Jesus around. You can't manipulate Jesus. You can't twist him around your little finger. You can't talk him into anything. This lady didn't talk him into doing what he didn't want to do. Jesus provides her with a challenge. He points out to her where the lines are. You understand what I'm doing if I do it? She goes, yep, I understand. And then he goes, good. Okay, here we go then. I'm going to cross the line. Here we go, stepping right over that line like it's nothing. So he acknowledges it, but he, the line's there, but he does it anyway. And so he helps her. And he doesn't say to her, I'll come to your house and, uh, you know, have your daughter ready when I get there. He goes, she's okay right now. She's not going to suffer for one more moment. You get it? that it's a line you and I both know I would be crossing this big cultural religious line. You and I both know that you are asking me for something that's outside of what my, the normal scope of my mission is, okay? Yep. But she's also treating him as Lord. And so she cro- he crosses this line even though it doesn't fit within the strict parameters of his mission. And so even though we've said that sometimes Jesus says no and he knows what he's supposed to do and what he's not supposed to do, this he chooses to do. And so he heals the girl. And then, once he heals her, says, Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the 10 towns. Like he went there, he's hiding out. Nobody's supposed to know he's there. The woman comes, they have this encounter. He, he tells her he, where his mission ends and she goes, yeah, but could you make an exception? And he goes, good, you, you know I'm Lord. You know I'm stepping over a line here. Good, now we got that clear, I'll do it. And then he just turns around right away and he books back for home. You get the impression that maybe maybe the only reason he even went there is so that a little girl that's being troubled by a demon that isn't even part of the people of God and isn't even the word isn't even scheduled to spread to them yet, but he knows this little girl is suffering. And he knows this mom has a humble heart that's willing to seek him and, and, and receive him as Lord. And so he goes there, and he has this encounter, and he sets this little girl free, and Then he just goes right back to doing what he was doing in the first place. Back to Galilee, back to the ten towns, back to his ministry and his mission, as God has sent him to do. And so it kind of complicates things a little for us because we just said, you know, if we know what our mission is from God, then we need to do it. And we need to be able to say no to things. And here Jesus is saying, this is my mission, but I'm going to step over the line. I'm going to do this thing. What do we do with that? How do we understand that? We need to understand that Jesus is merciful and kind. But more than that, we need to understand that it's never Uh, Just a simple proposition that if God calls us to do something, there are exceptions to the rules. There are times when we are called to step out. There are times when we are called to do uncomfortable things, things that don't make any sense. People, things that people, other people would not understand, other believers wouldn't understand. The people that followed Jesus and listened to his teaching, even the ones who are big fans of what he was saying, would not get that he was entire. They wouldn't understand why he went there. They definitely wouldn't understand why he would minister to one of them. But Jesus steps. Over that line, he chooses to do that, not because he's violating his mission or violating the will of God the Father, but precisely because in his way of looking at the world, that qualifies. Because it was always meant to spread beyond the borders. So he's doing this for now, but even that one person can be an exception even for a time like that. And you and I will be faced with moments when we have to make a decision and we kind of go, well, you know, that's, that's not my ministry. That's not my gifting. I need to be able to say no to that because, you know, I'm not comfortable doing those kind of things. find someone else. Sometimes no is the right answer, but sometimes God will lay on your heart things that you should do that are way outside of your comfort zone. Way outside your comfort zone. And so we need to understand that it's okay to say no when things don't fit with what God wants for us, but that it, figuring out what falls within our mission is not always simple and straightforward and oh, I got a verse for that or I know a message for that or here's my logic in, in doing this and not that. Sometimes there will be exceptions. Sometimes you'll be called on to do things you don't seem to have the gifting for and you're not normally called on to do and that God hasn't laid on your heart as a big overarching life mission, but in that one moment you are called on to do something and to step out. And so, Jesus shows us how that's done, too. And if you're that little girl, that's life changing. And you and I, as a group, we're a room full of Gentiles. A room full of people who come to the kingdom of God as outsiders. A group of people who didn't fit within the kingdom. Who aren't Israelites, aren't Jewish, aren't part of the people of God. That he called to be his people and to be his witness. But he spread the word and he opened the borders. And he welcomes in people that don't fit very easily inside his kingdom. And if you think he's not being picky picking these people, you should see some of the other people I've met who have found grace in the kingdom of God, who have lived lives and made decisions and followed things and valued all the wrong stuff. People who are as bad as somebody from Tyre. But when the grace of God comes to them, and they are faced with humbling themselves before him or fleeing from his presence, they said, Lord, help me. (laughs) He threw the border wider and he pulled the stranger and the sinners and the bedraggled and the unworthy into his kingdom and enveloped them and poured out his grace on them and they experienced changed lives. And that is the most beautiful thing in the entire universe when you see God at work in the lives of people like us that don't deserve his grace. That come to him as beggars. Like dogs under the table. And his scraps (laughs) are better than anything else we could receive from anywhere else. And it doesn't cost us anything to get his grace except approaching him humbly and treating him as Lord.